Hello and welcome everyone. I am Chris Hyams, CEO of Indeed, and welcome to the next episode of Here to Help. Our mission at Indeed is to help people get jobs. This is what gets us out of bed in the morning and what keeps us up at night. And what powers that mission is our people. Here to Help originally started as a look at how Indeed has been navigating the impact of COVID-19, but through these weekly conversations, it has really evolved into a look at how people's experiences and stories inspire them to want to help others. Today is October 11th. We are on day 587 of Global Work From Home. And at Indeed, one of our five core values is inclusion and belonging. In the U.S., we recognize Black History Month in February, but in Europe, October is Black History Month, where it's a celebration of the continued achievements and contribution of Black people of African and Caribbean descent to the well-being of Europe and the world. It's also an opportunity to inspire and share the pride people have in their heritage and culture, in their own way, in their own words. Today, my guest is Astu Ndiaye, International Insights and Content Manager on the Social Impact Team here at Indeed and based in Dublin. Astu, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Chris. Thank you for having me. Well, let's start where we always start these conversations. How are you doing today? I'm doing, uh, I think, pretty good. A bit nervous, obviously. Uh, I can see the numbers of participants, so I'm like, okay, this is real, this is happening. And the way I feel, it's um, today didn't start really well. I got locked out of my house, so um, I had to call the locksmith uh, to help me to get back in. But anyway, it went fine. Um, and I still feel a bit uh, nervous about what happened this morning. I couldn't believe that it happened to me, but I feel good. And uh, But I'm happy. I feel good. Sun is shining here today in Dublin, so I feel good. That's great. Well, we, we were talking before the uh, the recording here, and I always feel like a, a, a little catastrophe before a big event always distracts me. So it was probably a good omen, I think. But uh, let, let's dive right in and uh, and talk a little bit about your job at Indeed. Tell me, how do you help people get jobs every day? So basically, as you said, I'm in site and content manager uh, for EMEA. And basically, I like to define what I do as an advocate of job seekers facing barriers. So understanding, you know, the barriers that job seekers are facing and working with different stakeholders within Indeed and also external audience to create that awareness about job seekers having difficulties to find job and how to come over you know, uh, those situations for them. Uh, so uh, this is what my job is. I feel like my job is more of a call out for me, really, because it's something that resonates personally. And um, what I do with the, within the team, it's really focusing on those issues that makes like the experience of job seekers uh, to find job, uh, you know, uh, really difficult. And that's what is that's what my job is. It's actually focusing on these and trying to help as many people as we can. So you're based in Dublin, but you grew up in the suburbs of Paris. Your parents are from Senegal. 
Can you talk a little bit about your experience growing up in such a multicultural way? Like, as you said, you know, I was born in France and my parents are from like Senegal and, you know, being born in France, it was like, you know, when I was at home, it felt like I was in Africa. But then the minute I passed the door, it was Europe. It was like a melting pot of culture, you know, people from all over the world I grew up with, um, different religions, uh, different color, different ethnies. And that's, that was a very good and a rich experience for me because I learned so much about myself and a, a lot about the world. So it was something that makes me who I am today. So you were the first in your family to go to university. What were your thoughts at that point about what your career might look like? To be honest, uh, I didn't think, I knew that I had to educate myself and go to college because it was really important for my dad because my dad sacrificed a lot for my brother and my sister and I. And, you know, they didn't have the opportunity to go to college themselves. So I had because my life was easier, because I was born in Europe, it was easier for me then to achieve those things. And I wanted to do it for my parents to be proud of me. But um, knowing like what I wanted to do was really, I didn't know what I could achieve then. You know, I knew that I had to be educated, but to do what really it was, I knew I wanted to do something, but what exactly? Uh, it wasn't really clear. I just knew that I wanted to help people. I wanted to share. I wanted to to do something that was relevant uh, and make people, you know, happy or feeling better. That's what I knew then. So you ended up then working at CityJet, which is an airline. And how did that come together? And what was the experience like? Basically, I was working at the at the beginning of my career uh, for the French education, and I was helping kids, um, you know, to you know who had like learning difficulties, and and I loved what I was doing. But um, at some stage, I had kind of an introspection in terms of, you know, this is not what I want to do, and what's available to me, and. I had the opportunity of, uh, I mean, it wasn't an opportunity because I didn't know what it was, what I wanted to do. I had a friend of mine that said, Asher, you like traveling, you like people, why won't you become, you know, would you become an aerostess? And I was like, you know what? Why not? So I did that and I applied for CityJet. And um, I remember actually uh, when I had my interview, it was in a hotel in the Marriott Hotel in Charles de Gaulle. And I remember getting ready. It was the first time that I was wearing a suit as well. And I had makeup and everything done. And then I drove my car and I went to the, the, the car park of the hotel. And all of a sudden, I just couldn't get out of the car because I never been to a place like that before. And I was thinking, oh, my God, I don't belong. This, this is not for me. This is too much. I, you know, I can't, you know. I cannot be a cabin crew and being like in the air with all the pilots and fancy people on board. But anyway, I did get out of the car, went to reception, talked to the receptionist to ask where I had to go. And I remember how difficult it was for me just to do 
that simple execution, uh, I was mortified because I felt that, you know, I didn't belong, that everybody was looking at me, that, you know, everybody could see me and notice my difference. But anyway, I did. One of the interviewer was like two hours late. And I remember being sitting in the lobby and, um, you know, waiting and waiting and I didn't move. I didn't go to the toilet. I didn't ask for a glass of water because I was petrified to do anything wrong. But anyway, I did and I had my interview and they were really nice to me, actually, because I think it's because they made me wait for two hours. So they kind of, you know, my interview wasn't as hard as I thought that it would be. But at the end, I got the job. They uh, gave me the opportunity and I left for Dublin two weeks later. But I remember it was my first interview, actually, ever. And I realize now how unprepared I was because I knew nothing about, um, you know, the type of aircraft and, um, you know, the routes that they were operating. But they, they saw something anyway, and they gave me the opportunity. And then from there, my life changed and I flew to Dublin. I had to check on the map where was Dublin. I mean, I knew where Ireland was, <laughs> but I was thinking, is it on the coast? Is it on the west? And because I had new, I, no idea, so I had a look on the map. I said, oh, this is where I'm going to leave. So that's fine. But so that's, that's the story about how I started in CityJet. So for you, you spent a lot of time there, and we'll, we'll get to the uh, more parts of the story. But for, for many of those years, you worked as a, as a cabin crew. What, what was that experience like? That was a, something so different from what I could have experienced in my life. Because first of all, you know, it was about me being in front of all those people and, you know, CityJet at the time, like the Dublin to London City route, for example, it's a really business, you know, a route. So you have like, it's really business travel uh, passengers, you know, kind of audience. And I remember, you know, doing the demo, you know, the demo, like, you know, emergency exits and everything. And, and I had all those white male with the newspaper looking at me and I was like god what am I doing here but uh, I learned by being a cabin crew that you have such a small amount of time to make an impression on people and you know like the communication is verbal and nonverbal, and I had like lovely experiences but I learned a lot about myself in terms of like the image that I reflect towards other people and that kind of gave me strength you know, for to do the job, and then the more I was doing it, the better I, 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 w I was at it, and then I learned so much about, you know, me in terms of being in this environment, and you know, when the doors are closed and you're in the air, it's you, it's yourself, the passengers, and the flight deck. So if something happens, you need to be in charge, and and I think I I uh, I felt stronger than I thought that I would be, you know. So it was a lovely experience, and I learned a lot about myself and um, and about people in general. So you had a big decision at one point, and you moved to um, the head office in Dublin. What was the what was that experience like when you first showed up, and and what unfolded from there? I think for me, like I was, I remember being, I was flying at the time and I had uh, the CEO of CityJet on the plane. And, you know, I'm the kind of person, if I like you, I show you I like you, you know, I'm always myself. And uh, I had him a couple of times on my flight and, you know, we chat and then I, 
I would be, I would actually behave exactly the same if I was there or if it wasn't, you know, I, I will always uh, uh, be myself hundred percent. But after that, you know, co- uh, conversation I had with them, he just said to me as to, I think you're done flying. I, I can see that you can do other things and I would like you to join the commercial team. And then he gave me the opportunity to, to, to go on the ground because it's a big deal for cabin crew, like, you know, switching from flying to uh, working on the ground. And he gave me the opportunity to join the e-commerce team. And this is where, you know, everything started for me in terms of my path within marketing. It was the opportunity that he gave me. He saw something in me uh, that he thought that it would be beneficial for the company and and I took the opportunity and I went for it. Like pretty much everyone else, your life was was definitely impacted by the pandemic. And um, you had at that point reached a role of, of head of marketing and that role was made redundant. What was that like after all of this time being with this one company? And and what, what did you go through? Uh, when the pandemic happened and I've been made redundant, I spent 20 years basically, ba- you know, building up my career to that point. And overnight, everything was gone. I moved to Dublin for the job. So everybody that I knew was in the airline industry. And overnight, I, my friends, my job, everything was gone. My inspiration for the future. And it was terrifying. I was in a place that I don't remember that I have been before because I had dreams. I wanted things to, I wanted to achieve certain things and everything, everything was gone overnight. Um, so it was really difficult. Um, I felt lost. I felt like, you know, working for me, it's kind of an ethic. And I felt like I lost my superpower, like everything that I worked so hard, everything that I've been through, um, all of a sudden was just for nothing. So it was really difficult for me and for so many people. I mean, I know I'm not the only one that had a, a difficult time uh, during COVID. I think everybody in some shape or form had like a, a tough time. But for me, my world kind of, you know, went upside down and I had my daughter, it was two at the time. And I was thinking of it, uh, saying to myself, you know, what kind of example am I going to be for her? You know, because I'm home and I'm not working, I don't know what I'm going to do. So, yeah. So that, that was my experience. It is really profound, and it's something that maybe when people show up at work every day, we're not thinking about, but that sense of purpose and that sense of identity that, that so many of us get from work. And, and obviously, life is a lot bigger and family and other things but are, are foundational, but... I always think about that in terms of the work that we do here, that um, you know, a job is a source of economic opportunity, but it really is also a source of, of dignity. It's a source of identity. It's a source of, of pride. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about it. So you'd been working for 20 years, and suddenly you were a job seeker for the first time in, oh, in Ireland. And, and obviously for our work, this, this inspiration, you know, that, that early experience that you had sitting in the car waiting to get in, these experiences obviously shape, I think, probably how you show up at Indeed. But can you talk through what that experience was like of being a job seeker again? I mean, the first word that comes to my mind is like loneliness. I remember that, you know, it was COVID and uh, I, I just, 
remember there's something that you know comes to my mind. I was with my daughter at the playground and I met like this uh, lovely lady. She was with a, uh, a child and, you know, I just decided just to, you know, go and choose myself and because our children were, you know, playing with each other. And she was telling me that she was a homemaker and that she was thinking about, you know, when everything resumes, that she would go back and, you know, find a job. And she asked me, you know, how I was. And I told her, listen, I just lost my job. I've been working for the same company for 15 years. And um, and then oh, she said to me, oh, were you a maid? Were you a cleaner? And I remember feeling like I wasn't upset because... I knew she didn't say that in a, like to, to get, you know, to, to be mean or anything. She's just like the image that she had in front of her was this black woman and she must have been doing those type of job, which is nothing wrong with that because my own mother, you know, was uh, a cleaning lady. But uh, when she said that, it was really hard for me because this is everything that I've been trying to fight against, you know, about having a certain vision about, you know, people just because of the way they look. And I remember I didn't tell her that I was, you know, working for, that I was the head of marketing for the, for the company because I just felt I didn't want her to feel bad either. But at the same time, she, she kind of offended me, not offended me, but what offended me is the fact that she didn't ask me, you know, what was my job? You know, I told her I lost my job. I was working for this company, but she didn't ask me what I was doing or, you know, she just assumed for me. And then I think that that was really hard during COVID and when I lost my job, because I just felt that that's it. Like my superpower is gone. And then just people would see me as just nothing, you know, not nothing, but something that without substance or, or, and as I said, you know, working in, you know, cleaning houses or anything like that, it's, you know, we can, it's, it, and I remember my mom, when she got that job, she was really proud because she couldn't, she never worked before. It was an opportunity. And then I just felt, I thought of her really strongly at that moment, but uh, I just felt like you see, you know, this kind of um, narrative that it's not right. You know, you need to let people do whatever whatever they want to do or express themselves with their own word and not putting the words in my mouth, you know. So anyway, I'm, I'm going about that. I'm just thinking about it and I, I can feel uh, the heat coming up uh, there. But uh, it was, COVID was really hard because I felt sense of, you know, I always had that drive and all of a sudden it was gone. And, you know, and I could see in the mirror, you know, with this lady, is it what the word is going to, is, this is how the word is seeing me, you know, without giving me a chance. So it was really difficult. And I had like a really difficult time, but you know, I had like, you know, my husband, my family, my friends always having like the good word to help me to, you know, to see things positively and, you know, to do everything that I always have done up to today, you know, just fight and try, try and try and try again. So it was really hard because I've been applying for a lot of jobs and it was not what I expected because I thought, listen, okay, I have some education, I have a degree, I have a master, I speak languages, listen, it's going to be fine, I'm going to find a job, but then rejections, 
um, interviews that are, you know, going well, but you feel that there is something that is not right. For example, when people commenting on your accent or, you know, okay, I have a French accent. Apparently I have an Irish twang sometimes. Really, <laughs> sometimes, come on, sometimes. Um, and then I think for me going you know, within the job market and trying to find a job was really hard because it wasn't what I expected. It was harder than I thought that it would be. And I've been faced by things in terms of, you know, what does it take? What would it take for me to find a job? What is it? Is it me? Is it the way I look? Is it my name? Is it my accent? Is it my level of English? What is it? Why can I not you know, actually succeed in terms of like the interview process. So um, there is one thing though, just to tell you like in kind, the kind of shape my, my, my head was, I was talking to my husband and I said, do you know what? I think let's redo my CV, but I'm going to add your name because my, my husband is Irish. Let's add your name at the end of mine. I'm going to be Aston Jai O'Callaghan. Just maybe, maybe that might help. And, you know, now looking back, I just realized how desperate I was um, mm. because I felt that me being a Swing guy, being, you know, French and born in, Sen uh, my parents born in Senegal wasn't enough. I needed something to, to kind of balance it out. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, why? Never. I would never, ever do that again because I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of my name. And you know what, if, uh, if it's an issue for some people, you know, tough luck. I think because of my own experience, I feel so connected with job seekers facing barriers because I think that it was difficult, but there is like so many people that have it even, you know, more like difficult for them because, you know, for me, it was my barriers were you know, a long time unemployment because it was more than six months. The fact that, um, you know, English wasn't my mother tongue or the fact that I was coming from a specific industry. But I'm thinking about, you know, you know, lone parents, people that have digital literacy or, you know, people that, you know, don't have a car or, you know, minders for their children. I'm thinking about all of those people and, my experience makes me made me really aware and tuned in about, you know, what it's like to be in this situation and even in a worse situation, because I need to be honest, my husband was working. I didn't have to worry too much, you know, about like, you know, paying bills and everything. But there is this is the reality for some of the, for, for some people. And I I feel like, you know, the orange chair that we have at Indeed, I feel that I'm sitting permanently within that chair all the time. I'm all the time thinking about, you know, what it is like for people that are in this situation who are actually struggling. So my experience, it's, when I say advocate, I just, you know, I, I just feel that, you know, it's my job to represent, you know, their voice in, you know, meetings or everything that we do. I'm always thinking about the question, you know, I'm always questioning myself, but what it is like, what kind of experience is it like for certain people who are going through this? So it's definitely something that is um, important to me. And even though it's, you know, I shared a lot about my experience, 
um, you know, the difficulty of having a job, you know, you know, people are indeed are working and, you know, they are within a job, but, you know, maybe sometimes I'm thinking, I never want to forget what it is like to be without a job when I'm actually working, because I think it is our day to day. And sometimes we kind of forget that we are actually really lucky and, you know, obviously something that people deserve. But what about, can we remember the first time that you had to go for a job interview when you had nothing lined up behind, or, you know, you didn't have a job, it was, you were actually a real job seekers. And that's what we're trying to do, you know, within the social impact team is to remember that we're privileged to work and to do the job that we do, but focusing on the people that are not like us today. Now, the great thing is the story does have a happy ending because we're having this conversation today. So obviously you landed at Indeed. So you uh, tell me a little bit about what it was about Indeed that, that got you interested in, in the opportunity here and what has your experience been like since you got here? It was, I don't know how to, you know, I can just thinking about it, I can feel it in my body, like how the happiness, because... When I saw the job spec about my job, my current job, I remember feeling that, you know, the job was written for me because the way it was written, it was about competencies. It was like the skills. It, it was about my experience. And when I read it, I was like, this job has been written for me because, you know, the purpose of helping job seekers facing barriers to, to get job, uh, the tone of voice, um, indeed missions altogether, like helping people. And I was like, this is what I want to do. The, you know, for me, it was, it was a no brainer. I just wanted to have that job so bad. And I remember reaching out uh, to uh, the recruiter, my recruiter, Dara, and he, even the way he was speaking to me, the way he was telling me about the job and I could feel the company culture already. And I've done my research, obviously, because, you know, I think that what happened during COVID kind of was, kind of, it was for me really negative, like a lot of, for a lot of people, but it was positive as well because it gave me the opportunity to take control because during my all experience, my, you know, my work experience, it was people suggesting things to me. Why don't you do that? Or, you know, stop flying and come to the office. But for the first time I was like, you know what, I want to do what I believe I can do and what means to me. And I always wanted to help people. I always wanted to do something that matter. And, you know, when I read that job spec, I just knew that was it. I know it can seem a bit cliche to say that, but I really felt so strongly about it, so strongly about Indeed Missions. And, you know, looking at doing my research saying, you know, people like Lafon uh, Davis and, you know, what, a, what the ESG team is doing all together. I was like, I want to be part of that. And long story short, I applied. And the minute I had my first uh, interview with uh, my manager, Ava Cullen, I just knew that she loved my experience. She respected it. But the climate like the atmosphere within the interview was just so sane, so honest and respectful that I, 
I really did a good interview because she, you know, it was set up in a way that I could be myself and that's all she wanted to hear. It was about my experience, if I could do the job or not. And that was uh, really powerful. And then I'd done the same second interview with like other per, uh, people of my team, like Eamon and Abby Carlton. And every single step, I just felt the same because I think there is something about people in social impact. I mean, everyone in, at Indeed is that they're so empathetic and respectful and curious about knowing who you are and that your experience is part of who you are and it's actually something positive and that indeed is actually interested of you know hiring people that are coming from all over the world and doesn't matter your race your religion the way you look like you the way you feel about yourself and I knew that straight away and so it's been an amazing amazing experience that changed my life it actually did I remember when I got the call, uh, when Dara called me to say, as to you got the job, I cried. I cried. I was just so happy because I could just see everything that happened, you know, being not in vain that I basically built myself up to be where I am today. So uh, it's been amazing, an amazing experience. And I'm really, truly happy to do something that matters, something that, you know, in the morning I can... I'm happy to say, you know, I'm helping people that were in my situation. I'm helping people that even are in a worse situation than I was. Um, so I, it's calling more than a job for me. If you like this interview and want to hear more, hit subscribe. Catch up on any Here to Help episodes you might have missed, like my conversation with Lori Williams and get new ones delivered directly to you. More with Astu Ndiaye after this break. So after spending 20 years working for CityJet, now you're working for a company headquartered in the US. What is the, the difference in work culture? I definitely think that it makes a difference. Like just to give an example, you know, when I joined CityJet within, you know, the in the office and being part of management, I was the only black person there at a management level, not as a cabin crew. And all my life, when I'm thinking about it, I always have been the only, you know, black kid in the school, or I always have been, um, you know, a minority, but really in the sense of like, you know, I was only always the only one or another person. And when I joined Indeed, I remember being at my first meeting, uh, the Zoom meeting, because I you know I haven't met anyone personally. I've never been to the office yet because I've been working from home. And I remember like the Zoom, my, my screen, and I see, you know, my team, I see Abby Carlton, you know, First of all, she's a female and she's as, you know, at the management, you know, high management level. And then I see Lanea Small that I work with. And um, and when I saw Lanea, it was the first time in my life that I had another Black person at a management level and even more than I was. And it just felt so good because 
it never happened to me. I'm not saying that it's not possible in, in Europe. I haven't experienced it, but I know that working for an American company, when I saw like that screen with all the different people, different background in my team, I just felt like I belonged. I felt this is how the world should be. Like, you know, everyone is represented. And I, I just didn't feel alone. So I think to answer your question, I think that the American culture, like from an, it's slightly different. That's completely personal, but that's my my feeling about it. So for me, it was definitely, and that's why I think I went for Indeed because I knew that they were like maybe American, you know, American company might be more progressive in that in that sense. So October is Black History Month in Europe. Can you talk a little bit about what that celebration means to you? For me, it just means like there is so many things that I would like to say, but the first thing that I'm thinking about is my mom and dad, my parents, like the sacrifices that they've done for me, you know, because I like to think about people in my family. For example, I have a cousin that exactly has the same age as me and we are really similar in some ways, but really different lifestyle because I had the the chance to live in Europe. And so for me, it's all about understanding the potential, the opportunities that my parent had and gave it to us and trying to live a life, a better life for their children. So for me, this month, it's all about um, being empathic towards, you know, my parents' history and my people from my family, people that fought for human rights. It's all about, I'm thinking about everybody that is actually different or feel different or everybody that's having a hard time. It's for me, it's a celebration of difference, differences, but more importantly about acceptance about who you are and I don't think that I always felt like that in my life, but, you know, today I just feel, you know, so in tune about my, my, my ethnicity, my skin color, who I am, my experience. Um, and I think in Europe, you know, for example, where I grew up, it was a lot of, you know, there is a lot of um, uh, African people, like, you know, that are from the immigration that are from, um, you know, a different culture background. And I'm thinking about all those people thinking, you know what, it's not because you're different. It's not because you were not born in the country that you're actually living, working, that you feel that it's like home. Um, it's a celebration of, you know, it's basically love and understanding and acceptance. That's how I feel about it, really. But also... I'm thinking about my daughter, my my three-year-old. I'm thinking about my legacy from my parents and the legacy from her, me to her because she's three. And I remember during COVID, I just didn't know what kind of future I was going to offer her. And the fact that I got the job, you know, she's in a better place, I mean, for me, but also my parents because I'm able to help them and help my extended family. So this is how I feel. I'm just like really grateful. That's, that's, that's what this month is about, really. 
Thank you for sharing that. I guess as you as you reflect back on your experiences and in, in your career, and and especially your experiences as a job seeker, what at Indeed can we do to help make things better for people when they're looking for jobs? I think that we actually starting doing it because you know I just feel so powerful, like all the within the social impact team, for example, like the. The, the amount of knowledge that we have within, you know, you know, this area, like the people I'm working with are just amazing. And everything they do is trying to help job seekers to find a job. And that behind, you know, the products or in the marketing or the sales team, there is like actually real people that actually cares about people that are in difficult situation looking for a job. And obviously there is always a room for improvement for anything in life. But the fact that, you know, doing the first step and trying to make a difference and we are doing it because I'm witnessing it. I just feel that all we can do is like keep going and trying every day, trying to improve ourselves, trying to be more empathic. And so I don't have a specific thing in mind because I just think that it's a general kind of energy in terms of uh, improving things. And I, I know that within my team, like the social impact team, like everything we do, everything, every thought, it's towards like job seekers facing barriers. And I think this we are doing, maybe it's the beginning, but we, we're getting there. And I know that, you know, with time, we, we will help like as many people as we can. So you mentioned when you were talking about Black History Month, uh, this idea of it being to you a celebration of your parents' legacy, and you talked about your daughter. What what do you hope your legacy for your daughter will be? For me, I just would like her to have a different experience that I had, being comfortable in, in her own skin about who she is, about what she looks like, about uh, where she lives. I just... My legacy to her is about, you know, be yourself. Don't be afraid of being anybody else. And doesn't matter what the world tells you, because realistically, I know that, you know, things are getting better uh, and better, but it's, we're not there. We are not there yet. And I just hope that by the time that she's an adult, if she's looking for a job, she won't have to go through the same kind of scenario that I go in my head when I'm talking to someone about is this person going to like me? Not not about liking me, but like who I am and who I represent. Is it going to be an issue? And I just would like, you know, for her just to be able to be judged on her competences and not about what she looks like or what she sounds like or what she feels like. So that's what I would like to give to her um, and funny enough, I, I, I'm just thinking of her, like I had, she's trying to start to swim on Sunday and it's the second Sunday that she's done that, you know, swimming lessons and she hasn't done very well in the sense that she didn't engage. But, you know, last Sunday she actually did, uh, because, you know, we talked about being brave and trying and she made me so proud because she's only three and she was at the swimming pool and it, she she tried, you know, and that's my legacy to her. It's like, you know, even if it's hard, if it's 
uncomfortable, if it's difficult, just try. And she's only three and she tried. And honestly, I was just so proud of her. And I'm thinking, you know, this is something that we'd like to push in terms of like, you know, how I'm, you know, I'm educating her. It's just don't give up. If things are difficult, just keep on going. Things are going to be okay. As we wrap up, um, I guess I'd like to just ask, looking back over the the past 20 months and everything that you've been through and everything that the world has been through with this pandemic, mm. what in that experience has given you some optimism for the future? Like the whole, for me, looking back, everything has been kind of built up. And even when things get difficult, there is the a light at the end of the tunnel. That's what I learned. Even when things are really difficult and you feel like, you know, I'm never going to, I'm never going to find a job or I'm never going to do something that I really want to do. And things get tough, but things get better, you know, with time, with a certain number of, like a number of effort or, you know, reaching for help or finding the resources that you need. It, things get better and it's not going to be like as dark forever, you know, and I'm optimistic. I think that because of my life experience, I always have people in my life that always help me to see things that I couldn't see, even about myself or even, uh, even about the world. And I think that there is a good, there is good people in the world, you know, there is. And um, even when things are difficult, you know, there is like, there is an answer for almost everything and but you know sometime because it can take a certain number of uh, you know uh, a time before you know things get better it needs to get worse but I've, I'm really optimistic I, I just think that you know with like a lot of effort love compassion empathy towards each other you know things are going to be okay that's I mean I know it's a bit but that's really what I'm thinking so there you go <laughs> Well, Astu, thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing your experience and your story and your inspiration. And um, thank you for everything that you do every day to help people get jobs. Thank you very much, Chris. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Here to Help. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and download the podcast to stay up to date with the latest episodes. Until next time.